0: Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here. All right, Chris. Uh, today, we're going to wrap up the first half of, of 2022. And it's, uh, it's been an ugly one, um, to say the least. And uh, you know, maybe just more descriptive, it's, it's been incredibly volatile. If we're, we're looking at the US markets, equity markets. They're down, You know, sitting around right around 20%. Uh, looking at global markets in, in general, they're down somewhere in the mid-teen level. So, you know, a couple questions for you to kick it off. You know, one, you know, can we expect you know more of the same in the second half? Um, And if you, if so, you know, how do you think about positioning the portfolios um, in the second half of 2022?
1: Yeah, thank uh, for sure. Volatility is going to be with us. There's just no question about that. Um, And we and we got to remember what we're recessing. We're recessing excess monetary stimulus and liquidity, and that in and of itself creates volatility. And we're recording this on June 30th. And although we were supposed to start quantitative tightening in June, even with the the first initial bond runoffs, the, the Fed's balance sheet really hadn't started to shrink yet. So all that's in front of us. Um, there's been a subtle shift in the market, though. And investors need to understand that the disinflationary pressures are growing, inflation while elevated, is certainly peaking, and it's going to remain elevated, but we've seen tremendous sell-offs in uh, industrial metals, in soft aggregates, Uh, you know, coppers sending a very clear signal, and we're finally starting to see the lack of liquidity impact uh, energy prices as well. And the market's attention is shifting away from inflationary concerns, and it's screaming Recession. Uh, There's no question. Europe's going to have a recession. Uh, If you look globally, most exporting countries are going to or already in a recession right now, with the exception of China, which never really recovered because of its zero COVID policy. It's actually adding a lot of stimulus. Japan hadn't tightened monetary policy significantly. And so while they're going to experience a deterioration in economic fundamentals, again, they don't have the same liquidity issues. Um, the U.S. is on a trajectory for recession. We, we need to understand that because this was such a liquidity-driven and, and wealth-effect-driven consumption, that the slowdown in spending and consumption is much faster And while interest rates hasn't moved significantly because of Fed action, we have drained liquidity massively. We've had the first month-on-month decline in M2 since 2009. Um, And so a recession is, we're gonna have a profits recession in the US, whether we have an economic recession or not. I think we're gonna have an economic recession. So yeah, volatility is gonna be with us. Credit markets are frozen the yield curve is flattening. The euro dollar's future curve, while it was inverted a year out, has pulled that in. It's telling the Fed that there need to be cutting rates as early as the first quarter of 2023. Quite frankly, I think that's going to come into 2022. And so from a positioning standpoint, you know, we were never really long the bond proxies, despite anticipating the slowdown and a liquidity recession. The reason being there was as big a bubble in fixed income as elsewhere. And for, you know, people listening to this, to give you an idea of how bad it's been in fixed income, it's the most losses that we've experienced in fixed income since 1842. Um, And so the credit markets still need to go through price discovery, loss recognition. We were holding... Uh, excess cash through this first half of the year. When we got to the sell-off in the deeper sell-off in May, some capital, some some of that cash started going to work. And where we not not only did we put existing cash to work, but we also raised cash. So we've taken some profits in our energy positions, um, and we'll look to redeploy those on a pullback. Um, But yes, more volatility in the second half. You'll see rotations in portfolios as we start deploying cash and our winners uh, booking profits and starting to move into areas of the market that are going to be very oversold. You're not going to find it in sectors. Investors need to get rid of this idea that I'm buying tech or I'm buying energy. It's going to be security specific. There are fabulous opportunities and fabulous landmines in every sector and every geography. Uh, gone are the days where you just buy an ETF and, and make money.
0: Right. Uh, one follow up to that, you, know, you mentioned in your comment there that uh, the U.S. is on a trajectory for recession. You know, in, in your opinion, you're, you know, What do you think is the greater risk for the U.S. market
1: today? Is it inflation or is it a recession? Uh, Look, near term right now, it's a recession. uh, But the Fed's in a pickle. And they have to uh, get rates lower. And in order to try to wait long enough for inflation to give the signal, they're not going to have the time and space. Um, So right now, front and center, recession's the bigger issue. Inflation's already peaked. It's just going to remain really elevated uh, for a long time. But it's not moving higher from here.
0: Uh, and so, you know, we were, we're talking about the dark market downturn, your first comments again, um, as steep as it's been, and I know you mentioned, you know, this is going to be, you know, more security specific as opposed to sector, but are there any areas of particular interest or, there, you know, kind of few places that you've begun to con- uh, concentrate your efforts um, as you're looking for new portfolio ideas?
1: Yeah, you know, areas where I think it depends on which one of our equity strategies but areas where there's a focus and if not already positions, you know, areas we're looking at is housing and housing related companies within that supply chain. Um, and housing is kind of a good example of an area that, yes, it's cyclical, but. There's so little supply and robust demand will return back to that market that it's going to do well, you know, through the rest of the decade. You can't say that about a lot of areas. I think investors are going to be surprised at what the back half of this decade looks like, and where they are used to seeing growth or secular growth is not going to be the case. Uh, But we're going to look for areas like that, housing. Uh, In the industrials, uh, we're going to see a lot of wreckage in transportation, and so the winners are only going to get stronger. And so areas that we would call growth cyclicals or companies that have the ability, even if they're cyclically oriented, that peak to peak and trough to trough, they get bigger because their competitors get weaker. Um, And these can be, you know, in the small cap space all the way up into some of the mega large caps. Um, so, you know, don't necessarily go back to your prior winners. That That's for sure. And we're going to see that. A great example is going to be in, in large cap tech. Look, I, you know, it won't surprise me to see Netflix get cut in half from here. Um, you know, their business model is incredibly broken. And they were such a one-time beneficiary of stimulus payments. You know, is it going to surprise me if Google and Facebook bring down estimates because ad spend is absolutely hitting a wall? Nope, not at all. Is it going to surprise me that that the the consumer and the retail portion of Amazon is really challenged in the back half of this year? Nope. Um, so, you know, you got to do the work from here. There's It's not going to be an easy road for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, let's talk about doing work in other space, energy. Uh, so while energy was, was a top performer for much of the first half of, of 2022, um, and it took a pretty good step back over the recent few weeks, um, but we're continuing to see you know demand is strong, supply is limited. Yeah. Um, do you anticipate the energy market's going to re-strengthen itself?
1: Yeah, It will. It depends when and what your time frame is. Look, we're a chronically short energy in this world. We are going to be in an energy crisis for a number of years. Um, And it doesn't matter if you try to accelerate the transition to renewables or delay it. It, It's not going to change the impact. This is just a very capital-intensive, long-lead industry, and it's one that's been ignored and abused, and and we're going to have to pay for that. Uh, There are some real challenges short-term. And you know, we're going to play all the short political games that we can. We're going to release the SPR. And quite frankly, that actually increases oil prices. It doesn't decrease oil prices. Um, we have a serious issue with the Freeport LNG export uh, ability. And the longer that's delayed, that's going to cause natural gas to back up in the North America and not be able to be exported. So we may see natural gas prices weaken near term. We may see oil prices weaken near term because of liquidity constraints and demand destruction. But that only exacerbates the energy crisis longer term because lower prices is going to mean less investment. Um, we need high prices we need high prices to bring capital into the industry we need high prices to create substitution and, and balance markets um, and I, I think we're going to see a lot of volatility it's certainly an area of the market where we're going to buy the dip but again it may not be in the in the same companies that we've owned previously it, it's going to morph across time and space for sure.
0: Uh, let's flip back over to the Fed. Um, talking about the Fed here for a moment, it's certainly in a tough spot, right? It's trying to balance rates in an inflationary environment um, at the same time while we're on the verge of recession. And, you know, we've talked about this a couple of different times in, in the past in the podcast. But, the, you know, the Fed's chief responsibility is the Treasury's solvency. Yep. And so, you know, what, you know, if anything, in your opinion, can the Fed do in the second half to relieve pressure and smooth out the economic recovery um, and then I'll kind of finish up this question here by asking, you know, is if inflation is expected to remain 6% or just think about it as an elevated level, yes. you know, through the beginning of, of 2023, yeah. um, and the Fed, as we mentioned before, you know, it really needs rates sub 2% to fund the treasury. You know, what happens if rates are above that level? What happens if the U S can't fund the treasury? What are the kind of ramifications we're yeah. looking at here?
1: I mean, the Fed is, is in the most difficult spot imaginable, um, and investors need to get rid of the notion that there's this reflexive component where the SP is down so much that the Fed's gonna react. They, they re, so just a little bit of for some numbers. At 2% Treasury rates, interest payments uh, by the federal government would probably represent around 10 or 12% of tax receipts. At 3%, it it roughly starts jumping up close to 20% of tax receipts. As it stands today, our tax receipts do not cover defense, social security, healthcare, and interest. And our tax receipts are actually ballooned by the excess capital gains that were uh, generated in, in 2021. So I mean, we've really run out of the capacity uh, to fund our budget. So I I expect a budget reconciliation. It's not going to surprise me to start talking about tax increases over the next couple of years because we're just in a difficult spot. So the Fed needs the markets to function. That doesn't mean go up. It means not dislocate. They need them to trade. They would probably be fine with the S&P falling, you know, 20%, um, seeing a recession, seeing employment conditions loosen up, meaning people get laid off, to see some bankruptcies. And if that would spook investors out of risk assets, if the Fed doesn't blink in this third quarter as liquidity tightens up and they keep coming out and saying, we're going to hold the line they need to get back their credibility to fight inflation. And as long as liquidity is flowing, even if people are losing money, the Fed may sit it out and wait for things to get bad enough in the economy and in markets to get Treasury, to get the Treasury curve really inverted and back closer to 2% before they provide any relief. If for some reason it gets so dysfunctional that they don't have that option, and they have to pivot soon in order to maintain uh, market function, They, they will probably have to step in and apply yield curve control with QE. And in that scenario, you have very elevated inflation expectations already, It will only enhance those, not that it actually creates inflation with QE, but that doesn't matter. People believe that to be the case, and there's still enough excess money in the system that inflation can remain elevated. So in my mind, as I look at it, you know, if I'm a fixed income investor, the Fed's going to have to try to pick how they want to hurt the bond market right? Do they want to let it deteriorate, let credit deteriorate, let spreads blow out, let the bankruptcies and losses accumulate? Or do they want to go, no, we're going to pivot, pin uh, the yield curve and let inflation expectations um, uh, do the damage. So, you know, it's a really difficult position. I really don't think there's anything the Fed can do in the back half of the year that's going to be investor friendly, um, if anything, you know, they, they're trying to play the longer game, which is let's cause the damage now so that we can be friendly a year from now, two years from now, and three years from now, because it's only going to get more challenging for our sovereign as we move through the rest of the decade. All right, Chris, well, I think
0: that's a a good spot to, to wrap up the first half of this year. Your final comments are uh, right in yep. line with the, the way the markets have moved for us all this last year. So, um, Looking forward to turning the page on June, yep. turning the page on the first half, getting ready to walk into July, and hopefully we can spin things around a bit for, for investors and everyone out there. So thank you again, you and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson Strategies.